You look nice. Thank you. I was serving a couple of blokes in there and neither of them said a thing. Could have been standing there with a bag on my head. Going somewhere good? <laughs> yeah, just at the bistro with a couple of mates. Don't suppose you want to even out the numbers? You, you mean? Uh, yeah, why not? Should warn you, it could get messy. The messier, the better. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish and Street Catch-Up podcast that has just box-setted itself and you're actually listening to all future episodes of the Talk of the Street right now. The season finale is atrocious, I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I have a sunburn. You are quite severely sunburned. Well, not severely, well, not severely. sunburned, but I'm you're actually peeling quite, quite a bit. Yeah. And that's that's the peel from the, the yard sale That's not even has that doesn't even have anything to do with camping this week or anything. Or the baseball game I went to yesterday. I've had a busy week. You have had a busy week. You haven't yeah. been here. No. I haven't seen you since last week. It's nice. Hiya. Hiya. <laughs> right. I so mean, it's not, it's, it's not nice to not have seen you, but it was, it was a nice, it was, it was really my ideal vacation in many ways. Yeah. And interestingly, my idea of hell. <laughs> You know, camped out four days with, with my Girl Scout troop. Um, we took a 10-mile hike out in the woods, which was fun. So I don't mind the... I, don't, I wouldn't mind a 10-mile walk. Uh-huh. It's the hiking bit, and it's the in-the-woods bit <laughs> that I wouldn't enjoy. <laughs> Made lots of s'mores. We had hot dogs over an open fire. Um, we went kayaking. It's a panic attack. <laughs> On water. <laughs> the girls and Axel got to jump on this jumpy thing that's in the middle of the lake. It's like an op- it's an inflatable obstacle course. It's yeah. got a trampoline. They can climb up into a tower and she, dive into the lake. She explained it to me as a uh, total wipeout. Yeah. They loved it. Mm-hmm. They had fun. And I got to, you know, sit at the beach and charge my phone and read books. There's a PowerPoint? Yeah, up... Uh, there was like one picnic table that had an outlet next to it. So that's where I camped for right. a few hours every day. I mean... Not quite the wilderness now. <laughs> I guess not quite the wilderness with a total wipeout course. So Yeah. All it needed was a, um, an estate sale with some creepy <laughs> dolls and it would have been my ideal week. Right. Although we did find a uh, random creepy alien head on our hike. There was like an alien mask, like jammed into the window of a bunker that was at one part of our hike. And uh, I posted it to the the weird and wonderful secondhand finds that just have to be shared. And it's gotten like over 3000 likes and over 50 reshares. So that's that's fun. I did have one really scary incident. Well, it wasn't scary, but in off-putting incident happened while I was while we were camping. Was this the mole that tried to eat you? Who told 
you about this. Stella told me about that as well. I was sh- waiting <laughs> until the podcast to tell you about this. Well, you can still tell me all that surprise, but I know about it. Man, she ruins all of my stories. Mm-hmm. That was the second thing she told me. <laughs> the first night, you know, Stelly and I are in our tent, and I'd remembered the air mattresses this time, which was very helpful for my poor wee back because I've got the, you know, arthritis in my back. So laying on the ground is not ideal. Right. So I'm almost asleep. You know, we had, we'd crashed kind of early. We're in the middle of playing a game called Mafia around the campfire. And uh, then it started to rain because of course it did. Uh, So we all ran into our tents and everything. I get all settled. I'm lying there. I'm, I'm reading my book. I'm trying to fall asleep. And all of a sudden, Something's moving underneath me. My air mattress is moving underneath me. Something's trying to come up from underneath me, from under the ground. It's like I've seen this movie. (laughs) And I had to like... Or at least part of it. I had to like smack it down a few times before it finally... That's the movie. (laughs) Before it finally got the hint and went elsewhere... It was funny because we uh, we also had uh, raccoons visit us that night as well, you know. So while something is moving underneath me, I'm hearing um, some pots and pans that we left on the picnic table fall over and crash outside. Yeah. So. You're welcome to that. Good times. Good times. They're also a family of woodchucks, but they didn't bother us, and we didn't bother them. We just said, "Oh, look at the look at the cute little woodchucks." Did they chuck any wood? They did not chuck any wood. Oh, so that question remains unanswered then. Yes, it does. Fucking hell. <laughs> You're also out of Twitter jail. Yes, I am. I'm out of Twitter jail. Huzzah! I had a little look through your timeline and there was nothing removed from it. No. So, <laughs> they sent me, um, they said it was kind of because of spammy stuff. And I was at one point signed up to uh, something called Twitter Foo, which would automatically post some links to my Etsy shop and they said that that is now a big no-no so I'm no longer oh well at least you finally got a response from them right yeah so and and I guess I'm just have you learned your lesson you changed your ways sure <laughs> Going straight back again it's it's, it's it's been weird because there are things there are like you know pop culture sort of scandally things that I've missed you know and didn't know about until I got back on the Twitter it's like oh jeez so many things you miss when you're just on the Facebook or the Instagram and not on the Twitter. Things that didn't even come up in any of my pop culture podcasts that I listen to. So, yeah, I'm out, I, yeah, it happened while we were camping. You sent me a screenshot. You're like, look, you're out of Twitter jail. Because mm-hmm, I noticed that my follower count went up by one. <laughs> not that I monitor it daily or <laughs> hourly or anything, but it was as I was looking at it, it popped up. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what's happened to you? Yeah. And then I went to a baseball game last night, which was the first baseball well, game. Well, you went to a lug nuts game. Well, they play baseball. Well, they try. Not very well, but they do it. It's the first time at a baseball game in a year and a half. It's crazy. Been more than that, really, probably closer to two years. Yeah. It was nice, you know, it's nice to see Big Lug. <laughs> he is funny. He is funny. As a man in a, inexplicably, as a man in a dinosaur, purple dinosaur suit, that isn't Barney. Right. But has bolts and nuts on his Stuck face to his because nostrils. Of, because as his nostrils nuts. right his nostrils so, are nuts 
Tool nuts. Tool nuts, not testicles. Nuts, nuts. (laughs) Or acorns. That's a different night. (laughs) And um, he is a... I never thought that this would be funny, but Mm -hmm. it is. It's. I find him hilarious. (laughs) We were sitting up in the corporate boxes a couple of years ago in in the... the box that's next to my works box. Because uh-huh. my works box doesn't have booze. No. The box next to us does. Yeah. And that was cleared by the drunken guy who was shouting abuse down at, uh, at Big Lug. Uh-huh. And the, the expressions that this man in a suit is doing, <laughs> and a dinosaur, you can't see his face. No. But the expressions of uh, anger and mm-hmm. come on down and put up your dukes mm-hmm. sort of thing. I don't know. It was just funny. May have shed a wee tear during the seventh inning stretch when we were all singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. It was kind of by, emotional. By me, do you mean definitely did? It's kind of emotional being in a in a crowd again. Mm-hmm. So week of firsts. First Girl Scout outing overnight. First time in church. Stelly and I went to church last Sunday because it was Pastor Marty's last. And then first baseball game. So it does kind of feel like the world is getting back to some sort of normalcy. Or just how it was. Let's not call that normal. Let's just see how it was. Some. How was your week? It was quite. Shall we pay <laughs> with you? <laughs> you watched uh, Mean Girls 2. I did watch Mean Girls 2. It, it was eventually terrible. <laughs> but for the majority of it, it was fine. Yes, please. Give us some of that nutty corny news. <laughs> It was revealed this week that during a hostage situation at Risley Prison last year in Cheshire, negotiations were put on hold so the four prisoners could watch their stories, namely Coronation Street. (laughs) Oh, we're digging deep. (laughs) The inmates eventually released their hostage. No word as to whether a DVD copy of How I Met Your Mother was part of their demands. Wow. Call back to the the best. Oh, yeah. The the best. Prison raid Coronation Street has ever filmed. Riot. It wasn't a raid, it was a riot. Well, <laughs> there was people running and some flames. Apparently, we could have witnessed a young Jack P. Shepherd in tights doing pirouettes once upon a time. Our David has revealed on the latest episode of Sofa Cinema Club that he was up for the BAFTA award-winning star role of Billy Elliot, which eventually went to Jamie Bell. Yep. Instead, we hope that this reveal means that the writers will include Jack's sick dance moves in an upcoming storyline. <laughs> that was actually quite interesting. The um, It was basically his height. or I don't know if it was just that, but he, uh-huh. he looked too young for it, I think, right. was, the, was the main issue. Finally, in questionable career decision news, <laughs> in September, you'll be able to take a cruise with Bill Roach, a.k.a. R. Ken. What? Yeah, Mr. Roach has booked a gig on an audience with himself, a four-day cruise. Fans can shell out £899 to sit and listen to a juicy tell-all event where he'll talk about the many women he has bedded and behind-the-scenes stories. in real stories. life? Yeah, supposedly he's bedded like over a thousand women and in his lifetime. Ken Barlow. Yes. Wow. You know, the, the, the co-stars he's actually slept with and... How do they feel about this? I don't know. Half of them are dead now, so it's okay. <laughs> Apparently, he belongs. Glad you said now. 
Toxic Cruise. Well, I can see that happening. I mean, we we had the opportunity. Was it last year? The year before? Probably the year before. Wasn't it? It was Brian mm-hmm. and Roy, wasn't it? Who were in doing a little Canada Cory Expo yeah. thing? It wasn't a cruise, though. It wasn't a cruise, but it wasn't you know. a. It wasn't a floating ship of death. Yeah, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here. <laughs> wow. There are many things in this world I will do. Says Meatloaf. Cruise ships, I won't do that. Will I sleep with a mole underneath me? Yes. Will I go kayaking on a lake? Yes. Do we know where the cruise is going or is it just kind of moored in the... It's a four-day cruise, so I can't imagine it's going very far. Just like around... Two days out and two days back. Yeah. Be the, right. It's not a it's not a three hour tour. A three hour tour. <laughs> Gilligan's Island. You've been away. A <laughs> <laughs> real bag. Canadian Helen got in touch. Good afternoon, oh, and Helen. And that's Corey News. <laughs> Canadian Helen got in touch. Good afternoon, Helen and Gav. Hiya. I had some fun using an app called Voila to turn Corey characters. Viola. Is it Viola? I think I've typed that down wrong. To turn the Cory characters into cartoons. We always knew that Steve was a Muppet, and now he's been turned into one. There we go. Thanks very much, Canadian Helen. I posted all them on Twitter and Facebook and the world. Yes. Well received. Well received. They were looking, most of them, mm-hmm. looking pretty good. Yeah. It's kind of amazing what that does. Yeah. Of what cost, I have no idea. Yeah. I. When I did You and I... And the kids, I used images that were out in the world that we'd posted onto Facebook anyway. So I'm like, they're not going to get much from these images because they're already Yeah, but when you, out there. When you accept their terms of use, I think you're granting them access to something. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. <laughs> if, you think, if you think anything of yours is private at this point in the world, you've got another thing coming <laughs> Well, sure, it's just, uh, you know, the whole... We walk around with a tracker in our back pocket every day. Cambridge Analytica thing kind of got all all their data from something similar. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Now we'll podcast for coffee. Thanks to an abundance of people for coffees this week. Woohoo! I, I got my jumbo black and white cup with butterflies and flowers on it because we've got just so much coffee today. Overflowing. Overwhelming. An embarrassment of riches. Of coffee. Of coffee. And I think I'm just using my short shank one again. Because yes. I think I, I get the impression that it's the biggest mug that I have. But I think Not it's anymore. just a strange shape. Not anymore. That SpongeBob one I got you is much bigger. Thank you to somebody. Thank you to Una. And thank you to Jackie for our coffees this week. Enjoy your coffee, says Jackie. Somewhere from you, somewhere Jackie. in the countryside in North Wales. Ooh. Which makes me kind of worried about that. Uh, Jones the Test from last week. Remember my Bechdel mm-hmm. test? Yeah. Kind of wish I hadn't done that now. Uh, well, maybe that's why she got your coffee this week. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah, thanks everyone for the coffees. If you want to shout us a coffee for next week, you can do so by going to... Uh, ko-fi.com that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street buys a coffee you can remain anonymous as somebody did and somebody else did and you can keep your you don't have to give us a message or anything like that no but if you do 
we'll shout it out. Thanks very much. Much appreciated. And now, Hindsight Corner. A blue, 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 blue. I haven't had Hindsight Corner in a while. Yeah. The sex worker that Daniel made dress up as his dead wife. Mm-hmm. Remember when that sounded creepy? It still sounds creepy. Okay. It was Nikki. Nikki, that's right. Nikki. Nikki. I guessed Rachel, but Rachel was a human trafficking owner of Alina's nail salon. <laughs> so you can see... You can see where the confusion lies. Right. Yeah. And now it's time for a hard debate. Oh, is this your daft thing? <laughs> yep. We answered a question that's been bugging the nation this week. There's a boiled egg in your salad. What do you do? Eat it. But at what point during the salad do you eat it? So we actually got quite a bit of a response to this, more than some of our uh, empty cup awards, but <laughs> hey, we're not offended. Save it to the end was 3.4%. Can't don't eat eggs is 13.8%. Eat it immediately, 37.9%. And nibble throughout, which I think is where you are, wins with 44.8%. I'm in the eat immediately camp. Because I don't want to be so full at the end that I can't eat the last bit of the egg. The whole point of a salad is to eat lots of different things altogether. Don't you tell me the point of my salad. <laughs> it's a mixed salad. That's what salads do. And now this. That was a very short debate. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time this week to talk about nothing. <laughs> nothing? Oh. We didn't do a show this time last year. That's right. We skipped a week thanks to your double ear infection, me having to rush to the airport to rent a car, and our microphones packing in. Why were you renting? Oh, I know why you were renting a car. Mm-hmm. We started... Everything went wrong. We only had like a really small window to right. get the thing recorded and then I had to drive to Connecticut. Yes. So we didn't do it last week. Well, not to Connecticut, to the middle of Pennsylvania. Still, we managed to announce on Twitter what our moment of the week was, which was Carla throwing out Jordan and Scottish Vicky from the Rovers. Nice. And that was Connison Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Just a couple of episodes to watch uh, this week. Yes. I yes, we're not going to be covering Sunday. No, we'll do that next week. Yes. Because we kind of run a Saturday-Saturday ship here. Right, yes. So, And many of our listeners are not in the UK. They're in Canada and the US. So we want to be considerate of them. There were so many options to how, how to do this. And this just seemed like the simplest way of doing it was just imagine that the box setting thing isn't a thing. Right. Even though I watched... Monday and Thursday on Monday. Uh-huh. I think I watched Sunday on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But I had all these notes written up on Monday night, which means that I haven't looked at them in the best part of a week. Well, that's nice. So this is going to be kind of new for me as well. Well, that's good because you weren't, you know, it didn't, it means you don't have to like cram on a Friday night. Right. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what to. That's what to. Yeah. So our first storyline today is our last storyline today. So let's jump into the second one, which is Tyrone's new wardrobe. Ugh. Hey, hey. 
On Monday, Evelyn is cheering Fizz up with a story about a cheated wife who cut all the heads off her husband's prize petunias or something. Mm -hmm. Roses, I think. And also maybe he's Bobby, but we weren't. We yeah. didn't get any closure on that. Fizz successfully gets Evelyn to agree to be the ferryman of the girls to Tyrone's on mm-hmm. an ongoing basis because she yes. just can't face it. Right. Ty is put out by this arrangement but pretends to be fine. Evelyn sees the enormous picture of <laughs> him and Alina together. Have we worked out what she is in that? What role she's, she's just, playing? I don't, I don't think it is a role. I think it's just, you know, sexy, sexy lady, Simon, sexy kind of, lady of, the, of the mechanic right. from the 50s. With his rolled up sleeves mm-hmm. and his big massive wrench. Is that what it is? It's a tyre wrench, isn't it? Yeah. Is that what you would call it? I don't know. <laughs> it seemed to be, uh, it mucked up the um, the composition of the picture, I felt. Hmm. Yes, because that's the problem with that picture. <laughs> Even can't help but laugh. Don't be stupid your whole life, she tells him. You're not the first idiot to have his head turned and you won't be the last. She leaves and Tyrone seems to be feeling pretty sheepish about that stupid massive picture. Elena and Tyrone have been clothes shopping. (sighs) And she wants a wee fashion show before going back to work. Fizz comes out of Roy's Rolls to see enough of this to lose interest in the Eccles cake that she's just bought. So Evelyn goes to pick up the girls telling Elena that it must be nice for her to have other children to play with. (laughs) I love that. And then Ty comes in with his new wardrobe. He's got cat dye <laughs> jeans on, no socks, a tight top, and it's zinger after zinger from Evelyn as she tears him down for looking like such a muppet. Ugh. And not in a good Steve way. No. I was wondering if this is the new, uh, the new wardrobe from Tyrone. Have we seen the last of the American t-shirts? And no. if we have seen the last of the American t-shirts, the last one that we saw was the Michigan State one. Yay. Which means that we should get the Corey Petia or something like that. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I hate this. <laughs> On Thursday, Emma is walking down the street with Terminator Todd, whose name I can't remember. Curtis. Uh, thank you. He has a soft <laughs> launch of a new cocktail menu at the bistro later and he asks Emma along. She accepts but then is racked with doubt and asks if she should bring along a friend. He says, yeah, if you want to, because he's also kind of racked with doubt. And they both kind of bumble off, confused as to why something positive has left them feeling so bad. Right, yeah. I was really confused because I thought Emma really liked this guy. And I thought he was fairly clear. Yeah. Do you want to come to this thing? Yes. And then so why she started asking about bringing a friend, I have no idea. And I thought they cleared up all the whole, you know, knocking Steve off a bike thing. Which was... The, yeah, the not only sure that fly in the ointment to mm-hmm. this relationship, I thought. So I was very confused by Emma's reaction. Yeah. So Maria bumps into Fizz in the street. She's just been speaking with Emma and has learned that there's a cocktail night at the bistro. You fancy it? Fizz hums and haws, but Maria isn't taking no for an answer. I will see you at seven. So Fizz is at the bistro waiting for Maria, chatting with... Curtis. Curtis, thank you. In comes Emma, shocked to see Fizz, and she tries to pull a can you smell gas scam? And it becomes clear why when in comes Alina and Tyrone. In a new different shirt that's like velvety and pink with a collar I think and far later, too I'm tight. I'm going to call it velour. Yes. So velour, is that a thing? Yes. So Tyrone is at a table with Alina and Emma and is put out when the two of them are on their phones and not interested in his terrible chat. <laughs> because Fizz would put up with that. Right. Fizz would contribute to that. Yeah. Fizz would be interested in that. Mm-hmm. 
So he looks to Fizzy's table where she's sitting with a rain cloud over her, hoping for a sinkhole to come along and put her out of her misery. And then comes Maria, finally, and is mortified to see Tyrone there, but Fizz is actually pretty chill about it. Mm-hmm. Ty comes over and asks if they want a drink. Maria knocks him back and compliments, compliments him sarcastically on his outfit as he mm-hmm. shuffles back to his table. Yes. And then Curtis is quizzing Tyrone about a motorbike that he's inherited. It's a triumph from the 1990s that Ty reckons might be worth a couple of grand. Vintage. If he was younger, he might have even bought it himself. Mm. And Alina is sitting close by and hears this and encourages him to do just that. He spent his life thinking about others, she says. Time to treat yourself, plus biking leathers. Mm. So Ty agrees to have a look at the bike. He and Alina are about to leave when she spills her purse on the floor and she demands his help in picking things up, but he can't because his skinny jeans are too skinny. And Maria and Fizz giggle like drains as he rather (laughs) stiff-leggedly leaves the bistro. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah, I hate this. Why do you hate it, Helen? (laughs) Why do you use such a strong word to describe fiction? Well, first of all, there's been so much made about the fact that Fizz and Tyrone can barely afford shoes for these girls. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that Tyrone has to go and get a second job making deliveries for Dev. And yet he and Alina keep spending money like every episode. Now she keeps on saying that it's her money. Well, the clothes are her money, but everything else, you know. And when they talked about that picture, it's like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford this, blah, 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 blah. The whole... I don't seem to remember Alina with Seb insisting he get a whole new wardrobe and, you know, freshen up and everything and all of that stuff with Seb, you know. No, this is a different Alina. This is a completely different Alina. It's like she's had a complete makeover into a completely new and zapid person who she was not previously. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. I hate that for the actress. I hate it for the character. It just seems really, really off-putting. This storyline is bad enough about Tyrone breaking up his family to date a younger woman. That's bad enough without making that woman completely unsympathetic and vapid and spending lots of money and being really airheaded and stuff when she was not previously. And that's really irritating. Yeah. The, and unnecessary. From the, the monetary point of view, which is something that I've kind of picked up as well, I think that we've had her before worried about you know, the whole reason why that they have uh, flatmates and roommates is because they can't afford that place on their own. Right. And I don't think it's that expensive. No. But... You know, and she, they're supposedly working. saving money to get a flat of their own somewhere. She's supposedly doing sales at a factory she's never in. I don't think she's even doing the nail thing anymore. So God knows where all this money's coming from all of a sudden. Right. But she was saving up for a flat. She can't afford repairs in the flat that she's in. Right. But all of a sudden there's... She works in the factory and also has this second gig doing her own business and everything. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore because... Well, I'm assuming it is because we haven't heard that it's not. But still, yeah, I, you know... And And then I'm just noticing that Alina is giggling. 
So much. An so much giggling. Why, why is she giggling? And then you start to notice it. And when you start to notice it, you, can't, you start to notice how often it's happening. You can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. So much giggling. So she Which seems to have regressed happened. a little bit to a, to a child playing with a doll who happens to be a human Tyrone. Right, yeah. Does she have daddy issues? Is that where dating Tyrone comes from? Who knows? I, You know, I, it's just... They did not need to do this in order for this story to work. They did not need to dumb her down and make her act like a 10-year-old for us to notice the age difference between her and Tyrone and how that is eventually going to drive a wedge between them and both of them are going to regret this relationship. There was enough about Alina and her life, you know, as a young woman who can go out later hours and stuff and does not have any responsibilities to family. And Tyrone, the family man who still has to take care of his children and pay bills and be responsible. There's enough there without making her into a really dreadful person who just you don't want to see. Yeah, it's she has all these childish um, kind of sudden drivers mm-hmm. to her character and getting her whole constantly. Right, yeah. Uh, when did she become to, a sex fiend? That apparently is the only thing, the only things that are now part of her character are those two things. Right, yeah. And I, and I think you're right, I think it is just there to accentuate the difference between the two of them and right. the age gap between the two of them. That yeah. I, which I don't think we needed. No, because we were already well aware of it when all of this started, right. when we still had the old Alina, you know? And I, I guess you could say that for an awful lot of the time she's been like this kind of subservient character. She's been kind of quiet and mousy and... Withdrawn. Right. And because then, she was trafficked. Right. Or And maybe that's just who she is. Maybe right. there are people that are like that that aren't trafficked. But mm-hmm. this change has been so Abrupt. stark that right, it right. really kind of slaps you in the face that... Well, this, this feels like a completely new character that just happens to sound like Alina and looks like Alina. Right, yeah. I mean, if somebody... If there were scenes in the show where somebody commented about, oh, you know, you seem so much more free with yourself and, you know, you seem so much happier now and, and she had a chance to talk about, well, you know, it's it's been a while and it's taken a lot for me to get over being trafficked and everything and I just I feel like a, a new person or something... To maybe explain this. The, the kind of one-up that it does give us is the... It gives Fizz a chance to mock. Right. Which is amusing. Deservedly. Which is amusing. I'm not sure it's... I'm not sure it's much better. But it's kind of amusing that she's... She feels like she has, I don't know, the moral high ground here or something. I don't know. But This is better than her being so shrewish and shrill and yelling at him and trying to keep the girls away from him and stuff. Right. This is better than that. Right. And Tyrone offering to buy them a drink is kind of better than that as well. Yeah. That kind of olive branch. Yeah. I guess. I was I was surprised that Emma invited Tyrone and Alina out. You'd think that she'd want to get away from them. Right. 
because you mean like she was last week right, right. yeah <laughs> uh, anyway. oh this is this is the whole curtis told her to bring a friend mm-hmm. and, and she invited maria do you think that would have been enough so anyway. I, what, what do we think about uh the whole curtis and emma thing i like that yeah it makes me nervous that she was nervous you know, it's just, just typical it's just, Emma just not being able to accept something that's a little bit joyful without thinking right. that it can't possibly be for me. Yeah. There has to be something here that's not quite right. Yeah. He can't possibly be interested in me. Right. This gorgeous, young, uh, cute, yeah. funny, yeah. personable, positive character. Right. What would anybody see in me? Right. Who makes all of these crazy drinks, you know. And it's a mixologist and all this stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought he was getting a job as a waiter. I didn't realize he was going to be the bartender. Does that change your opinion of him? No. Okay. I just find it interesting. He's still Terminator Todd, though, isn't he? he every time I see him, it just looks more and more like what Todd's the new used old to Todd yeah. used to look like. Yeah. yeah. Our next storyline today is Kidnapping Frida. On Monday, Gemma and Chez are rushing to get ready to take Ality's appointment. Bernie tells Gemma to breathe. She says she's a mother of four. She doesn't have time to breathe. And Bernie is sure everything's going to go well because of tea leaves, which is the kiss of death, if ever I've heard it. But at the hospital, it's actually good news. Alad is mm-hmm. a good candidate for the cochlear implants. We get to see little Alad. Mm-hmm. So cute. So who are you? So cute. Last time we saw them, they were babies. Mm-hmm. And now they're not babies. That's right. Now, apparently, they're running around and running people ragged. Mm-hmm. She's... She's technically got five kids. Yeah. It's really sad. <laughs> they forget. What's his name? Jacob? It's really Joseph. sad that they forget somebody whose name I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, that's irony. We're leaving that in. <laughs> Joseph. Joseph. I knew it started with a J. He's the one that's in the bath. Yes, all the time. Which we'll get to. <laughs> Al's a good candidate for this. Chez is made up and instructs the doctor to crack on but then senses that Gemma isn't quite on the same page and he seems frustrated with her when she airs her concerns about nerve damage and uh, fluid in the brain leaking out or something. Yes, because they drill a hole in your yeah, skull. literally drill a yes. hole. Well, two of them. The doctor says no operation is risk free but this has a great rate of success and it will really help Alad with his speech. Brilliant, says Chesney, who is now choosing to ignore how unhappy Gemma looks. Yeah, and continues to do so mm-hmm. the whole week. At home, Paul is Team Chesney because he misunderstands what an implant would deliver. He seems to think that this implant will make Alad hear like you and I hear. Yes, and which is not the case. not what happens. No. And Ches, you know, if, if we're trying to do a, um, a, a public service announcement thing mm-hmm. here about these implants, Chesney's description of it as complicated as... Maybe not quite as as full an explanation as mm-hmm. people are expecting. Yeah. It is complicated, though. I'm sure it is. Is it and, too complicated for Chez? And you're, Probably. Yes. And the person is still deaf. Yeah. You're still deaf. Mm-hmm. Chez is finally bothered enough by Gemma's expression that he's coaxed into asking her what's wrong. <laughs> and she says that she doesn't think that she's ready to put her kid through this. What if something goes wrong? Chesney is a man of science. <clears throat> and he has faith in the doctor's. Alad might not ever hear properly, but at least he can talk with his siblings. This isn't about you, Gemma, he says. Yes. This thing that I want to do to our son isn't about you, Gemma. Mm-hmm. It's about me and, and me not wanting to learn sign language. 
because it's so obvious that Chesney just cannot be bothered to learn any sign. So he's is, willing to drill two holes into his son's head to, and his son to is, negate his use of sign language. And his son is still going to need to use sign language and lip read at times because cochlear implants, again, you're still deaf. Mm-hmm. She thinks his acting like this would be the end of the world if he didn't get the operation when he could lip read or sign or make his own mind up later. Right. But Chesney will not be swayed. This operation is for the best. <laughs> so at Dev's, Ches is recounting all this to Fizz, who plays Switzerland in the whole thing, but asks if there's anyone that they could speak to who's been in this situation who will be able to help. Yes. Do you know any deaf people? No, he doesn't. <laughs> but so he knows people who knows people. So Chesney drags Frida around and she's furious to find out why she's there because she hasn't a fucking clue who he is. This isn't (laughs) about fixing knowledge, she says. Do your research. Speak with other deaf people. Find out what being part of the deaf community means. Yeah. And Chesney's like, I was kind of hoping that's why you were here. (laughs) So after Frida goes... So awkward. And she gives them a book. Yeah. Yeah. It was was about a teddy bear, wasn't it? Well, it was about a bear who is also deaf. Who can't ski. Who can't, yeah, can bears ski. Mm-hmm. And the bear is also deaf. Right. Yes, but the bear can ski. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so after Frida goes, it seems that Chesney has agreed to do the research, but then we'll crack on with the surgery anyway. Right. <laughs> that was with, when Paul comes in, he's like, so how'd it go? It's like, oh, well, you know, we talked to Frida and, and you know, she made us really think about this in a new light and, and everything. And Chesney is happily reading the picture book. And then Paul said... So you're going to do it anyway. And Chessie's like, yeah. And I just feel so much for Gemma in that moment because it's like Chesney didn't hear a word Frida was saying to him. Oh, the irony. (sighs) Gemma's mind seems more made up against it after speaking with Frida. Mm -hmm. So what we have here is an impasse. On Thursday, after getting 50,000 kids ready, Gemma's looking for someone, anyone, to make her a fucking cup of tea. <laughs> for someone who was worried about sign language, she's doing pretty great as she tells Ches to be home sharp for lessons. Yeah. Bernie, though, is confused because doesn't an implant mean that Alad won't need sign language? It's complicated, says Gemma. Yeah, he will still need sign language. So Fizz is chatting with Chesney about how much of a piece of shit Tyrone is, but he has issues of his own at the minute. What with him and Gemma being at that impasse thing, she advises him that the most relevant thing that she's learned recently is to listen. And to shout, but also to listen. Mm-hmm. And later, Chesney missed the lessons because Cathy's just back and had to be shown the ropes again on how to make a kebab. Really? <laughs> She's furious, uh, Gemma that is, and has made plans with Bernie and Paul for the whole weekend. The whole weekend, says Chesney? The whole weekend. The whole weekend. She stomps upstairs. It'll be okay, says Joseph, who goes off for a bath. At home, Joseph is making a card for Chesney and when Gemma finds out, she's so furious she sends him off for another bath. Cards for fucking Chesney, says Gemma. It's not like it's his birthday or anything. Right, it's and a that, Father's Day card. Yeah, and that's as far as we get with that. This yeah, week. so so what we have here is a setup for Gemma to be the bad guy because she forgot Father's Day and that will guilt her into getting the implants done. Is that where we're heading to? You don't have to answer that. I don't think I'm going to. I'm not not sure I can answer that. I mean, it seems to me that the operation is probably for the best. It's probably for the best. 
And, you know, Chesney is is right. And I think that this is some this is something that is very complicated. It's something very complicated, uh, you know, throughout the deaf community, because a lot of deaf people don't see themselves as being disadvantaged because they are deaf. They are perfectly happy and everything, and they don't feel like they need to be fixed. And and there are many different camps when it comes to cochlear implants. A lot of people in the deaf community don't like them, don't like the idea. It's it's a permanent thing. Once you have it done, I mean, there's no going back, yeah, really. There's a hole in your head. It's a hole in, yeah, it's a hole in your head, and they take out parts of your, you know, inner ear and everything that you'll never get back, you know? So it's, and again, it's not like hearing. It's, you know, it's your brain tricking you into thinking that you're hearing. So your hearing is never going to be exact. You're still going to have to read lips. You're still going to have to, well, you still should learn sign language because it's, it's not, it, it, it doesn't always, like if you're at a party or something or at an event with lots of people, it, it doesn't always filter things so that you can hear what people right in front of you are saying mm-hmm. if there's lots of other sounds around and everything. Whereas being deaf, you can focus on other people and read their lips and use sign language and everything. So it's it's a really complicated controversial issue throughout the deaf community and you know while i applaud coronation street for bringing attention to it i don't know if they're going to be able to really sort out all of those nuances with a five minute discussion with frida no and is it their job to sort out those nuances technically no but you know when you throw your hat in the ring like this. I think you probably just expect more than one person being for it and one person being against it and not yeah. really being able to explain why. Yeah, and it seems like, you know, a lot of people on the show are just like, well, of course you would want to have it. And it, it because so many people seem to be Team Chesney and really the only person who's Team Gemma is Frida, mm-hmm. the one deaf person on the show. I think you've talked me out of it. I think I was probably more for it than against it. And now I'm probably more against it than for it. You know, but again, I, it's not a decision that I have to make. So, right, yeah. Which and is why I can completely do a, a 180 on it in, right. in three minutes. And it's really controversial too because a lot of children who have it done, uh, you know, are having it done by their hearing parents mm-hmm. who, you know, who who see it as something that's going to be a miracle worker for them right? and creates a wedge between them and the, and the deaf community because they're like, well, you've had the cochlear implant, so you don't need to learn sign language and everything. Not understanding that they really should Mm -hmm. also learn sign language and stuff. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like, I like the fact that we're remembering that, Gemma and Chesney have children. That's always good. Yes. And I it's like good this. to see Frida back in again. I was kind of hoping for a little bit more from her, from yes. your scoop from last week's Corey News mm-hmm. of her coming back. Yeah, I was hoping for more as well. More than just like a scene. Yeah. And I, I hope they do use her more yes. going forward. I, I, I like her hair longer. 
Oh, is her hair longer? Yeah. Sure. And she seems much more relaxed without Norris without around. Norris, yeah. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> Our next storyline this morning is summer school. On Monday, Summer is getting ready to leave for her Spanish exam as Minion Billy forces her to eat fruit and then gives her a hard time for socialising with Nina because there was vodka found in the trash. Oh, go fuck yourself, says Summer. And then she leaves, <laughs> letting Billy wring his hands and Todd to be oblivious. And for Billy to make his worried Billy face. Oh, yeah. You got good use out of that this week. Asha finds Summer in the metaphorical community garden where it's blowing a gale, I guess, to represent the maelstrom of emotions going through Summer's head. Mm. Apple, banana. Asha is off she to see... She bends them both. Do you know, that reminded me of a horrible moment I had as a child. Oh. Where I came home, my mum gave me an apple. Mm-hmm. I didn't want an apple. Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe seven or eight. Uh-huh. I walked to primary school because it was just around the corner. Yes, I've been there. And when I got into the playground, I said, you know, I don't want to eat this apple. So I just threw it away. And I felt bad about that for the rest of the day. Oh, poor wee Gav. (sighs) That's lived with me, clearly. (laughs) I've been lots of apples as a child, didn't feel bad about it at all. I felt (laughs) terrible. My poor mum, she gave me this apple. She worked hard for this apple. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Asha's off to see Nina and invites Summer to go along, but uh, Summer's had enough about uh, Nina. Uh, Yeah. Because all the Nina that she can need, uh, handle right and now. And in fairness, I think Nina has had a whole the summer <laughs> right, that she can handle. Right. So she blows Asha off. Not like that. And then dumps her fruit as she leaves. Then Billy comes home in the pretense of picking up his lunch, but really he's there to check on Summer's uh, exam and how it went. It clearly went badly, or she didn't go based on her expression, mm-hmm. but she puts on a brave face, which is enough to fool Billy, who reminds her to eat and then goes back to being the worst archdeacon Weatherfield has ever known. And at this point, I'm thinking, why is Billy suddenly so overly concerned about summer eating? Yeah. Back home, Billy gets a call from summer school. He tries to fob them off by telling them to try summer's mobile. Ah, excellent. But no, they want to talk to him, mm-hmm. which is why they called him. Right. They have some concerns. Billy says he has no English and hangs up. <laughs> Later, Billy's pacing the flat like he's trying to figure out how he can possibly blame Paul for this. (laughs) Then Summer comes home and Billy explains that her Spanish teacher is worried because she gave half of her answers in French. (laughs) Billy worries that she's on drugs. Frantic, Summer thinks she must revise more and rushes off to her room, but it looks like she's hiding one of those fangled energy drinks that she takes with her. I can sympathise with this as well because when I was at school learning French and German... Mm -hmm. Two languages that are famously very close to one another. French and German really aren't. French and Spanish are. French and German are. Germans are far right, harsher yeah, I'm, language. I'm being sarcastic. Oh, okay. But the um, all you know, your head is just, I'm in a languages class. Mm-hmm. And there's some crossover, I guess, a little bit of a crossover, but yeah, I can... I can sympathise with someone it's, here. It's hilarious, though, because, you know, with the way Billy was looking on the phone, you're like, oh... She skipped the exam, or she really, That's what I thought. or she really binned it, and you know, got a zero percent, and really did awful. Mm-hmm. But no, she did really well. She just did really well in two different languages. <laughs> and then, up until that point, I was also thinking this is still her survival guilt thing mm-hmm. from last week. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's got anything to do with that. Mm. 
on Thursday. Focus, Summer, focus. She's having another bad day revising. Billy thinks maybe she should eat something. When Summer says that she's not hungry, Billy is all out of ideas and suggests that she goes to see the doctor and then has to look to Todd to back him up. So Summer agrees, allowing Billy to look at Todd in a way that suggests that he's about to get his hole. So Summer calls Gaddas and explains her tiredness and lethargy and how she's all over the place these days. Everything's getting on top of her. The pandemic has really taken its toll. It was quite nice to hear somebody recognise that, wasn't it? Yes, it it was really nice. And it was also good to see badass Gaddas. Right. She's lucky, but she's still a mess, she says. Gaddas thinks that, well, it seems like you're stressed and anxious and asks if she's having any dark thoughts and maybe thinking about hurting herself or that. And Summer says, no, she isn't. But Gaddas looks to refer her anyway. And then Billy is satisfied that Summer is better and thanks Todd for everything he did. Todd says that he let them both down and he's still trying to make up for that. You're a good one, says Billy. And then he gives Todd that look. Again. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Billy, the new Alita. He's always been like that. <laughs> no matter who he's with. Such a sex fiend for an archdeacon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah. do you think Summer has an eating disorder? I think that's how they're how they're positioning it. But if the if it is, it's being positioned so clumsily. Very clumsily. Then they should really be ashamed of themselves if that's Seriously. if that's what this turned out to be because Billy spending the entire week going on about summer's eating habits right. and, and making sure that she's eating and have you eaten something yet and right. what have you eaten and Right. I and mean, her binning could, the fruit. It couldn't be any more heavy handed, supposing his hand was made out of brass. Right. With his brass hand. Mm. And his brass monkey. That funky monkey. Yeah. That song came on my playlist this this week. I hadn't heard that since 1999. I barely know what you're talking about. But yeah, it, that's clearly something wrong. With Summer. With Summer. It isn't survival guilt. It's got nothing to do with that, I don't think. I think it might have, I, I think it might have been triggered a little bit by survivor guilt. Not just the whole Nina survivor guilt, but as she was saying, you know. Our family came through the pandemic basically unscathed and not a lot of people have that. Well, except for all of the people on Coronation Street, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Apart from Apart from Aggie's mm-hmm. sister or whatever. It makes me wonder if okay, there's something wrong with Summer. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder that last week... The Billy just assumed that this has got something to do with the whole survivor yeah. guilt thing and forced her to speak to Nina when that was nothing nothing to do with how she was feeling. Well, she did say to Nina that, that she felt bad and that she should have done more and everything. So it does feel like that... Yeah, because she was put in the spot. Kind of has something to do with it. Yeah, because you're, you're not going to sit in front of Nina and say, well, I don't really care about this. <laughs> That's true. Do you think Todd's ever going to get his comeuppance? I really hope so. He seems, if you're talking about guilt, he seems to feel an emotion that probably closely resembles guilt in mm-hmm. Todd's mind. Where he, he can, he's the one that continually brings up the fact that he let them down and he's, mm-hmm. he's trying his best to get back in their good books and right. make it up to them. No one else is really casting it up to him, but he's right. the one that keeps on mentioning it. Like right. it's kind of... 
that little and devil that's on that his shoulders by okay. deceiving them in order to get back in bed with Billy. Mm-hmm. That 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 good job, Todd. Yep. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna come out well. <sighs> I'm worried about the amount of distance that's now between that situation and that Will character and that phone that does seem to have been just taken away with the garbage. Yeah. It's it's difficult to imagine a situation where that thing is reignited. Is it is it Will coming back on the street for some reason? Well and you know, Rick the Chin is still underground somewhere. <laughs> And nobody and Gary still hasn't been fingered as the as the roof bandit. But not so like that. they do play the long game with a lot of these. Things. They do, but it's almost to the point where you forget about the whole the whole situation that started the the mess in the first place. Yeah. Oh well, our next storyline today is Bernie's revenge. On Monday, Bernie runs into Dev and Addy. And she tries to manufacture a lunchtime date, but Dev knocks her back, claiming that he has to be a parent today due to exams. Disappointed, Bernie leaves until Addy points out YHYH, and so Dev shouts that he's off the chain and up for it after all to Bernie. And Bernie's made up, but then she runs into a very concerned Mary. Mm-hmm. Bernie turns up to the bistro with Mary in tow. Dev has his wine snob head on which Bernie extinguishes by pouring a glass onto his lap. Yes. Now you can tell me what you really think of me because you've spoken to Mary obviously. Yes. Like you did to your mates last night. Mm-hmm. And Dev kind of slinks down in his chair while making a strange noise. Right, yeah. It, Which uh, is commendable because I expected him to say I did no such thing. I would never say anything bad about you. He does go... Though down the line that I've predicted that we would Right, yeah, locker room talk it's Boys will be boys Boys talking Which isn't right But that's how he looks at it mm-hmm. But the hilarious part was when they ran off, ran off with these uh, squeaky shoes Yeah, I love the squeaky <laughs> Now there's no way the, the shoes could be as squeaky as that The squeaky shoes so were a nice wear. touch I really enjoyed that as well I really enjoyed that as well Bernie shouts that he wasn't the tripe to her onions anyway. Right. Lovely image. (laughs) So Dev goes to the florist to shout at Mary. This was a private conversation that was taken out of context and it was just bants. Boys being boys. Right, a private conversation done very loudly in a pub. She says, you're about 40 years away from being a boy, says Mary. And as someone who has been laughed at my whole life, no one enjoys being the butt of people's jokes. And this rings true with Dev. I've mm-hmm. been an idiot, he says. I says Mary. And the kicker here is that she really liked you, you twat. Yeah. And she makes a lovely metaphor about roses and sunflowers. Mm-hmm. Which Dev picks up on. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. At the pub, Dev is drowning. Can you remember what the metaphor was? It was to do with the stalks, wasn't it? That the stalks and the right. sunflower are that everybody, Yeah, that everybody seems to love roses because they're lovely... And they're delicate, mm-hmm. you know, and they have a nice scent. And then you have the sunflower, whose stalk is a bit more sturdy mm-hmm. and are are large and brash. And some people find gaudy. Right. But Mary loves them anyway. Mm-hmm. I much prefer a sunflower as well. Yeah, me to too. Say. Roses are so cliche. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at the pub, Dev is drowning his sores with Steve. Oh, such a shame, says Steve. He reckons that Bernie and Dev are a good match. <laughs> And Dev's like, wait a second. What's all that about beer goggles? He's livid. 
Woman, says Daisy, because Daisy's in the show this week, yep. are apt to change their minds. Whatever that means. Mm. So Dev goes off to see Bernie with a big bunch of sunflowers. He says he behaved badly and he's sorry. Go on, she says. He's ruined everything, but he'd like to stay friends. Bernie says that she doesn't need any more mates. She's disappointed that he doesn't want a romantic relationship, but manages to wrangle a pay rise out of it. Yeah. And the two of them seem to part on fairly on decent terms. terms. So that's the end of that. I'm so disappointed. Really? I love the two of them together. It was well, hilarious. We knew, we predicted last week it wasn't going to last. Mm-hmm. That this was going to be a short-lived thing. Um, I still like the two of them together as, as mates and stuff and the banter, you know, when he leaves right, the sunflowers and stuff. As long as we still get stuff, that banter. But which I think we still will. What I'm yearning for, though, is the way that you've, you aired that you wanted it to go and it didn't which was that Bernie is such an amazing lover (laughs) that Dev is just completely bewildered by her Mm -hmm. bedazzled Mm -hmm. and he's the one that's kind of the puppy dog yes desperate for attention from her yeah I really wish they'd gone down that road yeah it kind of seemed to be you know, I mean, he's the one who came back with his tail between his legs and offered the sunflowers and a pay raise. Yeah. Well, he didn't offer the pay raise. She's going to demand you that. Yeah. And he didn't say no, mm-hmm. which was fun. Yeah. I feel like if they were going to go down that road, the road that I wanted it to go down, that's how it would have been Oh, initially. yeah, it's too late for that. Yeah, yeah. it's far too, yeah, late. far too late. So, still, it would have been a much more interesting storyline, but... I didn't mind this. Oh no! I, I, like I said, like from last week, the Bernie character has been a, a bit of a revelation over the last little while. Mm-hmm. She's good value now in pretty yeah. much every scene that she's in. Absolutely. She plays well against Mary, against Dev, against Addy, against Kathy, and again against Ches, and again against Gemma. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's becoming this Paul, little focal point to so right. many other characters. It's yeah, she's the new really Nina. Well. <laughs> right. Or Abby. Yeah, just don't go putting out too many fires, Bernie. We like you as you are. <laughs> Our next storyline today is subleasing for dummies. On Thursday, Nick, Leanne, and Simon are back. There seems to be no issue at all with moving straight back into their flat. Simon is kind enough to recap where we left off. They've agreed to change their stories on the, on the witness stand, which will make <sighs> the trial collapse. Harvey will get off, and then they'll get done for dealing and perjury. Now, do they not know that a member of Harvey's gang has been arrested for trying to shoot Gary and probably kidnapping Sam? I've got to think that they know that. Right. So you'd think that that would, you know, because the police are obviously aware of Harvey's gang trying to mess with them, that they shouldn't deny it because the police know. So when they lie to the police... But then maybe not, because D.S. McDreamy was kind of... <laughs> D.S. Beardy. Says you. You're D.S. Beardy. <laughs> Never been so insulted. <laughs> I, this, this, this confuses me so much, because it's like, wait a second... Did, I must admit, when it, Simon's recapping and he's talking about Remember, we're all changing our stories and stuff. I was I'm like, like what? really? Are we? 
Are we, are we back to that now? Are we? Yeah, me too. I was like shocked. And nobody mentions the fact that, you know, it was that the whole Sharon connection and, and everything. It's like nobody know. It's like nobody told them about that. Then why are they back? I'm really confused by the storyline. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. And it just feels like an excuse to weasel in some more violence. Mm-hmm. So DS Beardy drops in to see Leanne as she's unpacking. And are we just skipping over the fact that now uh, ITV Stefan's lease on that flat apparently is, is, is up? Is up. After a month? If that. Yeah. In the middle of the month as well. <laughs> yeah. He well, thinks- he probably tried to cancel it, you know, immediately to keep Corey from sneaking back there yeah. after he fell down the stairs. Which was last week or the week before? It was last. Was it a week before last? I think it was a week before last. Who knows? I don't know. They had access to that flat fairly recently. Yes. The police aren't interested in that flat anymore. There could be no possible evidence there of anything. So this is all. This right. is all good. So Diaz Beardy drops in to see Leanne as she's unpacking. He thinks that she's having second thoughts and asks if there's been any contact with Harvey's gang. She denies it. Diaz Beardy isn't buying it and makes himself comfortable. But right, not, but not like that. Because they arrested a member of Harvey's the gang. Goon, the bearded yeah, goon. Yeah, the goon who tried to shoot Gary and kidnapped Sam. DS Beardy is concerned that Harvey's gang have got to them, especially now that they're back in town for no reason. DS Beardy explains how bad this gang is. They're pushing pills that they know are bad onto kids and it's putting them in intensive care. Leanne continues to deny everything and DS Beardy leaves as Leanne shits herself a wee bit. Yeah. I don't know the game that McDreamy is playing here. Nick gets back from seeing Gail and is concerned that DS Beardy has been calling. They know that they've been nobbled, he says, but reckons that Harvey getting sent down isn't their responsibility. Mm. But Leanne mm. has been moved by the story about the kids having a bad reaction to the drugs and won't be able to live with herself if someone dies. But if they go through with the testimony, they're fucked that way too. It's a quandary, all right, says Nick. <sighs> Meanwhile, DS Beardy has gone to see Harvey in jail. Yeah, see, this is where I'm confused about what game McDreamy is playing here. With all going to Harvey and speaking really confidently to Harvey in their banter back and forth between the two of them. Right, like their homes in Moriarty. Right, like they, like this is an episode of The Wire. <laughs> this isn't an episode no, of The Wire. neither one of them are Idris Elba. He warns Harvey not to try to tamper with witnesses or he'll just have more charges to answer. He says his witnesses are rock solid mm-hmm. and Harvey isn't buying this for a second. And later, after speaking with Simon and seeing how worried he was, Leanne decides that she can't tell the truth. She has to stick to the plan for <laughs> all their sakes. And she hears herself say this. Right. And Nick presumably hears her say this. Right. And both of them are fine with this. It's fine. Meanwhile, Harvey is on the phone to Sharon pointing out that DS Beardy has worked his magic on Leanne and Simon, so she has to go and undo all that. Sharon points out how stupid this is, yeah. and Harvey agrees. We'll have to take care of this another way. Dum dum dum. That's as far as we get with that this week. And see, this is, I think, what McDreamy's plan, you know, is to nudge Harvey into doing something stupid. Something rash. Right. To have him caught red-handed. The only problem is that rash thing might get somebody shot. Oh. Right. So to recap... McDreamy has <laughs> knows that 
Harvey has nobbled Leanne. But not like that. Mm-hmm. Tries to get Leanne back on site again right. by explaining and how bad this gang is because they're pushing drugs, but they're also pushing drugs that they know to be bad, lethal, potentially. Yes. But doesn't come outright and say, look, we caught the guy who kidnapped Sam. It's going to be all right. Well, the bearded goon isn't isn't the be all and end all. No, but still, you know, you'd think, I don't know. You'd think he could have been more honest in this, but he knows that Leanne, he knows mm-hmm. that. This isn't his first rodeo. Yeah. He knows, he knows how these things work. Yeah. So then his going back to Harvey in jail. Right. Which I'm not sure if that's, if that, you talk about tampering witnesses. I uh-huh. don't know. This could be seen as being intimidation, I guess. Right. Meh. The copper has no business going to see the see the, the criminal in jail, I don't think. But anyway, Meh. tells him, you stay away from my witnesses. My mm-hmm. witnesses are solid. Yeah. Which tips Harvey off right. to the fact, right. Yeah. So this is all contrived then, you think, by McDreamy to, to kind of force the push, situation. Yeah. yeah. Give themselves even more to go on. Right. Where their reliance on Leanne and Simon is reduced because they have right. an abundance of other information. Yes. Do you think Sharon, see, do you think Sharon's going to flip? Uh, see, they're already trying to start her down that path, I think, where yeah. she's like questioning everything that they're doing. She's been coming far more right. forthright when she's disagreeing with, with Harvey on the yeah. phone and stuff. So yeah, they're, they're and trying to And she has make, a soft spot for Sam. Right. For some reason. Who, who no longer has anything to do with any of this. No. But yeah, she's... I don't know. I'd rather that they just continue to make her bad. Mm-hmm. This uh, determination to have redemption is—it becomes a little frustrating when a character has been so Machiavellian all the way through the return to suddenly have a change of heart. That's kind of the trend now in 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 media and, and popular culture, anyway, isn't it? I mean, that's why we have this Cruella movie to to find out why Cruella de Vil is so bad and it's because she was mistreated by a boss at some point or something. Right. You know. It's it's just oh, she, she threw away her mum's apple one day. <laughs> I don't know. I just I keep I I you know, I applaud the fact that they're doing their best to make this as not ridiculous as possible because this has been a storyline that well, I have making it as ridiculous <laughs> as possible I have not enjoyed the way that this has taken a turn the, the, no. the turn into the drug dealing mule witness protection racket thing has not been welcome right yeah I was really relieved when you know they arrested that guy and everything and it was like okay alright so this is over now mm-hmm. so now we can so I think that's why I was really disappointed when Simon says okay we're all going to stick to the, the plan, plan right? right? It's like, what? No. 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 Not anymore. You don't have to anymore. Weren't you watching during the Masked Dancer <laughs> week? Uh. Our final storyline today is the Chariot Square Hotel drinks menu needs an overhaul. <laughs> On Monday, 
It looks like that Bordeaux that Nina was drinking at the end of last week has really gone to her head and she slept overnight in the alleyway of doom. Mm-hmm. At Roy's Rolls, Roy is fussing over a hungover Nina trying to get her to eat, asking her about her night, where she was, what happened to her hand, and then he plunks her portfolio in front of her like he expects her to start drawing. He thinks it'll be cathartic. Nina says that she's had enough, snaps at him to leave her alone, and rips up her sketches. She sad. was doing quite quite well with them. You know, she's hungover, she, oh, she cut her hand mm-hmm. on the lemon. God, the, her walking about with that bloodied hand all day yes. was really starting to annoy me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Wash that thing. Seriously. And stick a plaster on it. Right. Jeez. Go get stitches. <laughs> so Nina has left by the time Asha arrives at Roy's Rolls. He's taping up her sketches as the two of them discuss how to think therapy or counselling would help Nina. If only she were up for it. Alas, she thinks she's beyond help, says Roy. And then Asha asks to see the folio and Roy, who has been out of his fucking tree lately, yes. hands it over. Knock yourself out, he tells her. Right. And I thought he was just showing it to her so she could look at it right there. Back at home, Asha has taken photos of all the sketches on her uh. phone and she shares them with Addy. Uh, well, sharing them with Addy is fine because mm-hmm. we love Addy. She thinks that they're insanely good and she thinks that Roy was right and this would, would be therapeutic for Nina to continue. Addy points out that Nina ripped them up so she obviously doesn't agree. Thank you, Addy. Thank you, Addy. Voice of reason. And more or less thinks that's that. Asha quietly disagrees. And then she does something really stupid. <laughs> so Nina comes back to Roy's Rolls and bumps into Amy, who asks her for a look at her novel, because now bits of it have been posted on Asha's Insta. Right, yeah. Who does that? <laughs> Who takes somebody else's drawings and posts them on their own Instagram? Right. That's just... Why does she think that's a good idea? I mean, there's one thing about plagiarising, but this is just pure theft. This right. Is- like her whole mentality is like oh if more people saw this then nina would come around and and realize that she's actually really good and will not be sad anymore (laughs) i guess is the mentality there but it's a poor one nina is rightly pissed off roy where's my book Mm -hmm. where's my fucking book roy yep (laughs) he takes responsibility but she points out that once again he's ignored what she wanted and interfered yeah and she storms out and she's not Wrong. Wrong. Roy is determined not to let Nina find her own path through this. Because, you know, whereas with everyone else, Roy can be sensible. He's emotionally attached to Nina, so he does stupid things. Nina goes to see Asha, still furious. Asha says that she wanted to help. How does my story of my boyfriend being killed, being told on your social media, help? And she points out that Asha wasn't so keen on shit being shared online not so long ago. Yeah, excellent point. Asha claims she was just trying to help. Epic fail, says Nina. Now get it taken down and get to fuck. I never want to speak to you again, she says. So Nina is in devs listening to Evelyn give her a bit of advice for the day. You can't drown your sorrows, she says. They float. She goes off to answer the phone and Nina is about to nick another bottle of body when Carla comes in at the back of her and then Evelyn comes off the phone. Oh. You're double fucked. Evelyn and Carla argue about the seriousness over Nina's head, who's mm-hmm. kind of standing there, look, I'm standing right here. Yeah. Well, if you don't listen to me and you don't listen to Dev, says Evelyn, maybe you'll maybe you'll listen to Carla. And so right. Nina and Carla leave without anyone having to wake up Craig. <laughs> Back at Roy's Rolls, Nina insists that she didn't nick anything and getting bladdered once in a while doesn't make her an alky. Sit down, shut up, 
and listen, says Carla. Very there was a moment where I thought that Nina was going to say, Yeah. I'll see you later. Yeah. But no, she does as Carla says. Yes, I like this. I like I like big sister Carla. Right. And she tries to talk about Liam and her own losses and her own relationship with Booze, but everything seems tinged with, here's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And Nina isn't a place where she wants people to tell her what to do. No. She wants to forget and she wants people to fuck off. Yes. So Nina later bumps into Summer and tries to get her to come out, but Summer has revising to do. And besides, Nina is a fucking nightmare now. Right, yes. <laughs> so she says it shall pass. Fair enough. And it's a testament to how low Nina sunk that she ends up tagging along on a night out with Daisy, who's yes. meeting some mates in the bistro. This could and get ama- messy, warns Daisy. The messier, the better, says Nina. Amazingly, Daisy says yes. Why? It seems like... Nina sh- doesn't care. Right. Nina. Daisy doesn't care about Nina at well, all. Well, appar- apparently, Daisy... This is This is the one thing that Daisy won't sink so low about... You know, somebody whose whose boyfriend was murdered right in front of her. Right. It was actually a real nice scene with it. Well, not nice. It was a good scene between the two the of them. The two of them, yeah. Nina's expressions were, they were verging on hilarious. Mm-hmm. When uh, Daisy's like, oh, you're talking about you tagging along? Mm-hmm. And Nina just nods with this kind of mm-hmm. smile on her face as if to say, don't you dare tell me no here. <laughs> so, yeah, that, for a daisy scene right sure it was fine the contrast between the two of them is very marked right and at at this point it's almost like nina isn't bruised anymore nina just needs a wash yeah isn't it or is it is it it still bruising because it's kind of gone through that yellow phase that seemed to be getting better yeah but she looks really dirty and grotty well she's well she slept in the alleyway i guess right she's not taking care of herself she's not wearing makeup not that you have to wear makeup right but you know wearing these dingy clothes and with her hair down and everything so later roy explains to carla that it's not fair that someone so young could be struck with loss like this three times because nina's lost her mum and her. her dad and has now lost her boyfriend yes booze isn't the answer he just wants her home and safe instead though she's out with daisy at the bistro still with a bit of paper wrapped around her finger and she seems to have her sights on Daisy's pal and starts dishing out the chat mm-hmm. when Daisy has to step away and answer the phone. Then later, Nina staggers off for a shite and the guy gives Daisy a hard time. Thanks for this. Mm-hmm. Daisy explains what happened to Seb and the guy remembers reading the story and tells Daisy that maybe the right thing for Daisy to do here is, is to, to make sure home. that Nina gets home. Yeah, you're probably right, says Daisy. Yes. So she's trying to lead Nina back to Roy. Yeah. Daisy's doing something nice for someone who's not going to be able to do anything for her. Right. What? Although she'll maybe try and hit her up for uh, double glammy stuff later. Later, yeah. Daisy's trying to lead Nina back to Roy, but as he's encouraging her to come home, she changes her mind, hails a cab, jumps in and heads into town. Fuck y'all in the ear, she shouts, as a bewildered Roy can only look on. And Roy blames Daisy for this, which is mean. Right, right. Daisy's like, finally, I do something nice for somebody and, and I get blamed for it. Right. So on Thursday, for the second episode in The Bounce, Nina gets home after spending another night at a friend's in inverted commas. She doesn't want to talk about it as she has a presentation to prepare for at the factory. And it's like, oh, oh this is not going to go well. Nope. She's at the factory preparing her presentation when a concerned Sarah comes along, unsure if this is a great idea because Roy reckons that she's not ready. Roy needs to mind his own business, says yeah. Nina. If Sarah had worded that differently, mm-hmm. without mentioning Roy, mm-hmm. 
It might have saved some things. It might have. And then Nina breaks all the rules of soap by saying, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Nina is doing her big presentation, but oh, she's fucking it up. The designs really are half is. done. Some of them are missing. Nina asks the important client to use her imagination mm-hmm. and suggests that all her customers are thick as shit in the neck of a bottle. Sarah, who maybe should have had a look at the big presentation first, has to step in. Oh, you know what? Screw your job, says Nina. An important client who has never heard such language faints. And while Sarah is trying to bring around, Nina stomps off, punching Kirk and setting fire to the underworld van on the way. Most of that didn't happen. She goes to the rovers and gets wired into the booze. Great night last night, she tells Daisy, and Daisy is as shocked as anyone. Nina went to a bar and then a lap dancing club where she picked up a middle-aged Irishman called Huey, who turns up now to see her. Daisy spots a wedding ring, and wouldn't you know it, Huey is separated after 19 years of marriage. 19, says Daisy, that's how old you are, isn't it? Yeah. Abby comes in, sees Nina with this lump, and leaves immediately, disgusted, as Huey becomes quite morose at the loss of his marriage. (laughs) Poor Huey. Well. Poor, poor Huey. Not really. Later, Huey is singing. And Daisy cuts him off, so Huey tells Nina to come back to his hotel. It's so bad that Daisy tells her not to. She doesn't need any more drink. She doesn't need it, she says, but she wants it. So she scuttles off with Huey. Later, Abby comes back to get the lowdown from Daisy. Daisy tells Abby that Nina's wheels have fallen off and she's back at that hotel with that Huey character. Well, we'll just see about this, says Abby. Yep. Abby to the rescue. (laughs) Again. We're back to this. (laughs) At the hotel, Nina has spotted Tommy O. Huey hasn't a clue who he is because he's a (laughs) rugby man. And Nina points out that her dad was a massive county fan. Tommy is in a meeting with an agent or a manager or something. Yeah, it's uh, his agent. And the two of them are joined by someone Tommy introduces as a bright young star. And it's only ITV Corey. Right. It's like, is it James Bailey? No. No. It's this, it's this guy asshole. who has been in the youth team for like two months. Right. And has We've never, never seen ma- him play. He's mentioned training twice. And he's never actually been training and he abuses his body and eats lots of gross things. Meanwhile, poor James is on a diet (laughs) and jogging every day. Huey leaves to take a call and Nina looks like she has something to get off her chest. Tommy clocks Nina and thinks that she's a fan, so kind of forces her into a selfie with him. He points out ITV Corey and suggests that she takes a selfie with him too. ITV Corey's, nah, it's all right, but Tommy doesn't let it go. You may not know where they can't use Brightest Star yet, but you will. Oh, don't you worry. I know him, says Nina. Yeah. So ITV Corey pretends that he doesn't know who she is until she starts complimenting him on his kicking prowess, seeing as he managed to kick the life out of her boyfriend. And she doesn't let up, and she isn't intimidated. The agent guy has had enough and wants to leave. He was there to be introduced to ITV Corey with a view to taking him on, and we're led to believe that that won't be happening now. Yay! Tommy seems to be on ITV Corey's side, and rushes off to placate the agent. Then ITV Corey calls Nina a psycho, and he walks off upset. Nina has managed to pick up his award, though, for best new star or whatever, and looks like she's heading off to twat him over the head with it when Abby arrives and shouts her name and she stops. Yes. And she tries to calm uh, Nina down, but Nina says that Abby doesn't know what it was like. Mm-hmm. Abby says, I lost my son. Yes. And Nina says, like, yeah, but you weren't there. Nina lived and Seb died, and she feels terrible about it. And yeah. she wishes that the, um, the roles had been reversed. Yes. She genuinely has survivor's guilt. Right. And then Huey passes by again because he hasn't shot himself or anything yet (laughs) and she orders him to take her to his room. You're better than this, says Abby, and she barks at Huey until he runs away. 
come on, let's go home. Nina breaks down, sobbing that she doesn't know what she's doing. Right, and Abby points out that she overheard Huey talking to his wife. On the phone. On the phone, telling her to kiss the kids goodnight and everything, and he'll be home soon. Right. So he and his wife of 19 years have not broken up. So why was he so morose about it earlier on? Because he's been drunk this whole time, because that's what Irishmen do, according to this very English show. Right. I felt like Huey is a Scottish character, not an Irish character. Would that have been better or worse? I I felt it would have been more accurate. (laughs) At least he wasn't Welsh this time. Right. Oh, our uh, Jones the Test. Uh No, we don't have to bother doing that. We don't have to bother because there are no Welshmen in this week's episodes. Right. Back at Roy's Rolls, Abby is the only person who can make this better for Nina. She reiterates that this wasn't her fault and it wasn't a case of her or Seb. You can't go on thinking like there was a decision like that. Right, yeah. Because that's where madness lies. Right. Seb's gone, but it's up to them to make sure that they don't make things worse. I've got your back, she says. You get mine and let's cherish those around us who want to help. Yes. And Nina nods that mm-hmm. hearing... She's been hearing kind of the same thing from right. everybody else. But, but she had to hear it Abby. from Abby, right. yeah. So Nina has shut up Roy's rolls and is heading upstairs when there's a knock at the door. And it's one of those knocks that you don't reply to. No. But she goes to see who it is. And yeah, he's you believe a- it, it's ITV Corey. Hiya, freak, he says. And Nina shuts the door on him before he can get in. He calls her a coward. And she finds her inner Marty McFly from this. And she storms out to showdown with him. He complains that she's fucked his future tonight. And understandably, Nina is less than moved by this. You'll always be a freak, he says, and you'll always be a murderer, she says. Yes. He she, yells these uh, these abusive things to her right in the middle of Coronation Street, very loudly, where anyone can hear, right. you know, <laughs> him doing the thing that he swore he didn't do. Mm-hmm. He wants his award back, so she throws it at his feet where it shatters. And he's about to do something about that when Roy appears and tells him to sling his hook, reminding him that he's in breach of his bail conditions. Go inside, Gramps. This doesn't concern you. And it's your word against mine. And at that, PC Tinker arrives because Roy has already called the police. Hello, hello, hello. What's all this then? then? ITV Corey says, PC Tinker, I'm arresting you for reasons. (laughs) And ITV Corey is taken away. Thanks thanks for coming to my rescue once again, says Nina. And we get the sense that we've turned a page here. Yes. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Yes. Tune in next week for what happens on Sunday. You watch Sunday yet? No, because no. it's not on BritBox yet. Right. And I can't be bothered with a VPN. <laughs> you really can't. I really can't. It's so easy. The VPN does all the work. I know. I know. I understand this. Psychologically, I understand this. But it's one of those things that I just can't be bothered to do that's very really easy. Yeah. We're refinancing and I have to get two W-2s, uh, three bank statements and three pay slips, and I go to the same place to get all of them. Uh-huh. <sighs> I really can't be bothered doing it. So I know, I know, I get it. it. Okay, overall, it was good. Yes. A little contrived, maybe. So uh, I certainly think less of Tommy O than I did before. Absolutely, he can because, do GTF. Because before. Tommy O was a nice guy. Friend of the homosexuals. Right, yes. And didn't really, you know, was a superstar, but seemed 
to have a good head on his shoulders about it. Yeah. And now there's he's, a difference between a Wedi County superstar and right Ronaldo, for example. And now and now he's a guy who just automatically assumes people want selfies with him. Right, that's before anything else happens. Right. I'm already. Who the I'm fuck already, do you think you are? <laughs> this is not the Tommyo we know and love, who's friends with with Kirk, and you know seems rather embarrassed with his fame when he walks into the Rovers. Mm-hmm. You know, he and Alina both have this huge personality change. What the hell is going on? Tommy Obi can forgive he's a footballer. This is. This is how he should be. Right, but he's but like he a wasn't. nice footballer, you know? <laughs> right. He's he's um he's <laughs> he's, the, he's the tall grumpy guy on Ted Lasso, not the superstar guy on Ted Lasso. That's just the main thing that we're taking from this storyline is that the change in Tommy O's personality. <laughs> <laughs> Our next storyline today is Tommy O's personality change. <laughs> because I mean <coughs> That's really kind of the thing that felt r- the most contrived was that Nina and her old man toy mm-hmm. would just happen to be sitting in the same hotel lobby right. as Tomio right. and ITV Corey mm-hmm. and Tomio's agent. agent. Yep. And the fact that Tomio, you know, his last words to Nina are, he was found innocent or he hasn't been convicted yet or something. It's just because I was just kind of like, oh, well, Tommy O doesn't know anything about the whole murder thing. You know, Corey's keeping this quiet and under wraps. So maybe Tommy O doesn't know. And that's why he's he's trumping him up and everything. And also, why is Tommy O the one trumping Corey up to his agent and everything? Wouldn't like the manager... And the owner of the football team want to be... No, they would take nothing to do with the agent. The, agent's, the agent has to be separate from that because it's a conflict of interest. But yeah. but the the fact that, at the sake of saying Tommy O again, <laughs> the fact that Tommy O and his agent are choosing to have a meeting with someone who is potentially going to be sent down for murder... Right. Seems... A, a bit optimistic. And someone's <laughs> given an award to somebody who might be put down for murder. Right. He's won this award. What's the way the Gazette going to say about this? Nothing. That's <laughs> what they're going to say because they never say anything about anything that's actually happening in Coronation Street. It's always, oh, teachers are happy because it's sunny. <laughs> or the, the council's going to build a, a llama-shaped library. Well, apparently somebody put something in some paper and that's how Daisy's friend knows about right. Seb dying. Right. But... Yeah, it's like <coughs> it's like they're really leaning into. Uh, oh God, what's that rapist's name that we talked about last week? Brock. Yeah, the they're really leaning into it's the not whole Brock Lesnar because he's a wrestler. Brock Turner thing, mm-hmm. you know. Of oh, we're we're trying to make sure that this poor young man still gets a break. Yeah, and this even after he murderer's life isn't ruined. Right. Yeah, because he's a. He's a young, rich, white guy. Right. He's a young, rich, a straight, white guy who can kick a ball. So we have to protect him at all costs. Yeah. There was that aspect <sighs> of it. And then there was the um, the Roy to the rescue at the end. Mm-hmm. But which I think is poetic. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I and enjoyed the fact that it's Roy I'm that quite, comes out. I'm quite offended by Corey calling him granddad. Right. 
and being abusive to Roy. Nobody bees abusive to Roy on my watch. That's right. Nobody bees abusive to Roy. Yes. <laughs> and words and things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that Roy was the only one who called the police because you'd think. It was in the middle of the street. It was in the middle of the <laughs> street. It was loud. And he's loud and he's yelling. Daytime. You know, instead of like pushing her inside and very quietly threatening her. Mm-hmm. He does all of this out on the street. You know, it just it drives home that this is this is a stupid kid. Right. Who who's so full of himself, he thinks he can get away literally with murder mm-hmm. and nobody will care. How do you feel about or do you feel or do you agree with me that the there were aspects of the Nina drunk at the hotel that seemed to be getting played for laughs. Yeah. I and not just at the hotel, at the bistro as well, and just the whole drunk Nina thing I'm uncomfortable with. Mm. The whole way through. I you mean know. the more I was thinking about it, the more I was well, that is what drunk people do. And that you are finding I guess humour in a situation that doesn't really have any because you're the you are really the centre of your own world mm-hmm. when you're when you're drunk like that. But I really didn't enjoy seeing it, and I didn't no, really enjoy neither. seeing Nina like that. No, me neither. And I and I, I didn't want her to be that kind of drunk. No, I wanted her to be the <laughs> what she was earlier, which mm-hmm. was the fall asleep in an alleyway kind of drunk. Right. But the but the flirtatiousness of her, Ugh. which ugh, just was so creepy, and mm-hmm. and isn't her. No. And the whole, the way she botched the thing at Underworld just also isn't her. The fact that she's like, oh, well, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter and everything. This was like the one thing that she actually cared about. So I was really surprised right. by she's how, you know, even if she had been drunk the night before, you'd think she would have had all of this prepared and ready and everything. Or would, or. Or had the opportunity to back out and mm-hmm. and do it again later. Yeah, because you're right. She was she was hanging on to this. this yes, was this the, was one good thing that put a smile on her face last yeah. week. That oh no, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going back there. Mm-hmm. If, if Sarah wants me, I'm there. Right. So it then kind of let her down like that. Right. When she, when that didn't have to happen. Right. When and, this and is like the, the one thing afterwards. that she's okay, serious fine. about right. and everything. That was disappointing. I felt like they didn't really need to do that. But all of that seemed to add up to the, the scene that we got yeah. with Abby. Yes. Which which pretty much makes it all right. Yeah. <laughs> Abby to the rescue. Right. Again. And, 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 but, the, but, but it makes but fair sense. enough. Fair enough, right? And it was it was nice that she kind of she goes through she goes through Roy. Mm-hmm. She goes through Asha. She goes through Carla. Mm-hmm. And I thought Carla made some really good points and, and was, you yeah, know, again, I really right. love the whole big sister, little sister dynamic between Roy's daughters there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then to Abby, who of all people on the street is the one who's going to understand not just her grief, mm-hmm. but her trying to drive her grief away with... With chemicals, you know, right. with with drink or with drugs or something, you know, and it was really nice that 
that that you know that Abby says to her because Nina's like, well, you don't care and, and you're not a wreck, and and Abby says, one day at a time, mm-hmm. essentially, you know, right? That this is something I'm always angry. This is always <laughs> this is something I'm always, you know, not that Abby is is the Hulk, but you know, she's <laughs> right. This is something that she goes through every day. Mm-hmm. This is something that addicts, this is true to life. Every day, addicts wake up and it's a battle all over again. Uh, and, and add grief on top of that. Right. Because she's angry about that mm-hmm. every day. She's probably wanting a fix every day. Right. She's wanting a drink every day. Right. This is just another thing that she has to right. to put up with it and get through. Mm-hmm. And when she goes to bed at night, she thinks, well, that's another day that we got through that we don't have right. to do again. And then you have to do and it. And then you do it again tomorrow. Again tomorrow, you know. And she also said, though, that... Because I was worried about her coming into the, into the rovers and seeing her with Huey mm-hmm. and thinking, well, that's how much Seb meant to, right. to Nina. And, but that... And although that maybe there was the starting of, of that thought, uh-huh. she has the awareness later on to mm-hmm. say how bad she felt about pushing Nina away from the funeral and saying right. those awful things. Right. I, again, this is stuff that Nina, mm-hmm. you would hope, thinks, but needs desperately to hear. To hear. And I thought, I thought it was good and interesting that Nina says to Abby, you know, you lost your son, but... I, you know, I'm not only just grieving Seb, I'm probably have a lot of PTSD here about mm-hmm. being attacked and being there and essentially watching him die, mm-hmm. you know, and being with him when he was being murdered. Right. You know, and and all of all of the heaviness of that as well. I thought it was just it was just really, really well done. Yep. And it's all not a competition. It. No. But it's an awareness of mm-hmm. how the other person is, is yeah. feeling that this is this is what I'm right. going through. And it's not exactly the same thing. Right. So Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. It was good stuff. Except for Tommy O. Yeah. God damn it, Tommy. <laughs> we thought better of you, Tommy O. Yeah, I think I might have to turn in my Orpington <laughs> where they count the shirt. <laughs> Trade it in for, for a Bailey, I think. Absolutely. Maybe maybe I should be doing that anyway. Yes. That thing that I don't own. Right. And never will. No. What was your moment of the week, Helen? Do tell. Hmm. Well, I have a funny one and I have a dramatic one. What did we do last week? What did we do last week? Oh, Shona. Was it Shona? Oh, yeah. It was Shona and Peter. So it was kind of funny and also kind of sweet. All right. So, I was going to say Dev's squeaky shoes. <laughs> That's the kind of shit I'd come away with and you'd, you'd tear me to pieces for that. But I think it really is Abby and Nina. It's got to be. Sometimes it's just got to be. Yeah. And you know, I have a little count of... I know we give it to Abby and Nina all the time. Well, we don't. Separately. We give it to them frequently. Yes. But I think... Uh, I think Dev is, is leading the moment of the week charts with four mentions. What? This year, four mentions in six months. So I don't think we're overdoing anything. Okay. And plus, it simply was the best moment of the week. It, it was really certainly was. the scene of the week. It really was. And if it was the scene of the week, yeah. it's probably going to be the moment of the week. Yeah. That is our moment of the week. Our moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. 
I mean, Chesney I think reading pulled... a picture book. <laughs> it's Chesney, isn't it? <laughs> Poor Chesney. Was it Chesney last week? Chesney is the new Daniel, let's be honest. Well, only because Daniel's not in it. Let's, let's not take no, this away from Daniel. It's the only thing he's got. Because Daniel was in it last week and we still gave it to Chesney. Because Daniel was actually quite good last week. Uh, I, I really kind of think that it's, it's Chesney reading that book and then, you know, looking up and saying, or, or Chesney refusing to understand Gemma's sign language or not showing up. Chesney being a dick to Gemma. That's our boring moment of the week. Do better, Chesney. I'm scrolling through and I can't find anything else. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on Weather County's youth policy? Share your football manager tips with us. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or on your podcast provider of choice. Please. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week a slightly extended Talk, Talk of the, the street. street. Fuck you, Talio. <laughs> Cheers.